In the passage that was read in John, uh, I want to reread part of that. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. When we look at unity, that was one of the scriptures that we looked at about unity. And the purpose of unity was, at least in this case, was that people would understand that God had sent Jesus. And so as we look for points of unity, obviously we look for opportunities, and we all understand that we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, then we determine that there is a God, and then we determine that there is a Savior. And so the beginning of unity as we see it is that we uh, declare that Jesus is Lord, and then we look for opportunities for, for common uh, for common ground. In Acts 2 and verse 42, uh, we read of the disciples uh, who have come under the teaching of Jesus. They had all things in common. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They met daily together. And they had a super sense of unity during that time. One of the scriptures that I have come to love uh, is in Romans 12. Uh, we all think about the first part uh, about presenting your bodies uh, in a particular way, but I want to refer to uh, a different verse down the road. Uh, in verse 4, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Unity at Lamar Avenue. Uh, one of the first things that we have as a challenge is to get to know each other. And in order to get to know each other, we have to look at each other and see each other. We had a little bit of an opportunity this morning when we were face to face. Most of the time that we spend together is in here and we're looking at somebody's back and we're looking at somebody standing up before us, talking to us. Um, a lot of times there are things that get in the way of unity, uh, and sometimes it can come from most unusual sources. When David faced Goliath in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 28, and he was inquiring of, of what might happen to the one who slays Goliath, none other than his oldest brother, Eliab, or Eliab came and fussed at him for uh, questioning his motives. And sometimes in the unity within the walls, we get in the way of ourselves in, in getting to that unity. There was unity in the Old Testament at the Tower of Babel. The only problem is they said, let us make a name for ourselves in terms of building that tower. There is a unity that comes about as you think upon these words. Unity community, union, and as we just shared, communion. Unity is basically something that happens when we reach down within ourselves and we attach on to something with enthusiasm and power and we reach for something greater than ourselves by sharing ourselves with our brothers here at Lamar Avenue. In the future, for the area of unity, there are many things that have to do with fellowship. I'm going to read those quickly to give you an idea of the areas that I will be working with. One of them is fifth Sundays, like today. Retreats. 
simple suppers, wedding and baby showers, fellowship events, women's ministry, men's ministry, and young at heart. To close out the thoughts on that, I hope you enjoy the fifth Sunday today, and I look forward to getting ideas for even uh, better times together. There is a retreat this February 26th and 27th, and the theme is unity at Lamar Avenue, in which folks will have opportunity to share and give input. Wedding and baby showers, I could talk for 15 or 20 minutes because of the opportunity that uh, young women have to be encouraged by older women in their marriage and in their children. As far as the Young at Heart, I just want to say the Young at Heart banquet came together by two women, three women, deciding that it would be a good idea to do, and it happened. And I was so excited that we didn't have to have a committee meeting to determine that. There are many, many opportunities that we have, and I would love to hear your thoughts and your input concerning those. And oh, by the way, since we're talking about women and ideas, I actually read on Facebook this week where there was an idea given for fifth Sunday lunches. And one of the things it had on there is for people who are on canes or are uh, behind a walker, why not let them get up to the front? So I've already suggested that to two or three this morning, and they said probably they wouldn't do it. And so uh, what I would like to suggest is reverse that a little bit. I would like for you all, if you would, when you see somebody that doesn't need to be standing up, to urge them on up to the front so that they will feel welcome. And if you have a little bit more selfish idea with it, encourage them to go up the front and fill their plate up for them. That way you'll be up at the front as well. Thank you. Myself, like several members of this team, grew up at this church. Um, this year in June, I'll be 39 again. So over the last 30 to 31 years, I've seen incredible acts of kindness and generosity through this body. Um, in times of great need, people from all over the southeast United States know that they can come here to get a hot meal, clothes, and to be nourished spiritually as well. Uh, my goal in this process of the vision is to lead, help to lead this body to find more opportunities to serve our community outside of this building and off of this parking lot. <clears throat> we will look for opportunities to work with and partner with other churches and organizations in our area in an effort to create unity. Um, like I said, in a lot of ways, we're already doing this. We have an awesome work that goes on here with our benevolence, with our food pantry, and things of that nature. Um, in the 14th chapter of Romans, uh, we see how Christians unite, how they work together, how they serve each other, and how they treat each other right, in spite of cultural, ethnic, and other background issues where sin is not involved. Jews and Gentiles who obeyed the gospel were suddenly had suddenly found themselves worshiping together. And the challenge for them was to treat each other right or as brethren, even though they were very different. Some thought that they were strong and that those that believed or thought different than them were weak. 
As followers of Christ, we are called to live an inclusive lifestyle. We are instructed by God's word to reach out to those who may not be accepted by others. But a lot of times we get so comfortable in our usual seat on Sunday morning and our same friends that we eat with or hang around with at church. A lot of times we're so used to and familiar with this that we think it's too much to ask for us to get outside those boundaries. We are to welcome and accept Christians who may not feel comfortable in this particular setting. The verse that we chose to go with this particular part of the vision is Romans 15:7, And everybody can see it clearly on this side and on this side. I want you to look at the first word of that verse. Accept. What does it truly mean to accept? To receive wholeheartedly. To warmly welcome to grant admission into our hearts, to look beyond anything superficial and be willing and open to build relationships, to love people just as they are, not for what we intend or hope that they would be, but where God would have them to be. By obeying this simple command, we both glorify God and build up our fellow believers. Restore my spirit, Lord, I need restored. My heart is weary, please help me, dear Lord. I stand in need of more strength from your word. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, oh, restore my soul. Revive the fire, Lord, deep in my soul. Stir my desire to work in your fold. Light in my heart, dear God, your zeal grown cold. Renew my love, rebuild my faith, or restore my soul. Renew my courage, Lord, it needs restored. My cup is empty, refill it, dear Lord. Replace all doubts and fears with faith so bold. Renew my love, rebuild my oh, restore my soul. Renew my love, rebuild my oh, restore my soul. Core value number three, restore all things. The living God, our Heavenly Father, the Creator, made us in His image with free will. And knowing mankind would exercise that freedom and fall into disobedience through the influence of Satan, our Father planned beforehand by way of His sons a means by which mankind could be restored and reconciled to Him. His desire, His vision, was and is for His people to be guided by His Son's example to impart the principles of love, mercy, justice, hope, peace, compassion, and generosity to those in our community 
and to the ends of the earth. God would have us partner with Him, be His hands and feet. As Jesus says in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in Me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6.10 says, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And in Ephesians 2.10, Paul further says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You don't need the elder's permission or anyone else's permission to go do good works. God's already prepared it for you in advance. The Apostle John was privileged to have Jesus reveal to him a vision of the culmination of the Father's restoration and reconciliation to him. In Revelation 21, 1 through 5, John writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now is the dwelling of God, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Now Stephen Gerald will come and address the restoration of our community, followed by Clint Spencer, restoration to the ends of the earth. Good morning. Well, it's been incredibly important to my Christian walk to be a servant in whatever community I find myself. I think it's always been that way. In my experience and study, it's obvious to me that our servitude and that servitude that Jesus modeled, excuse me, was all about restoration, something that's become an integral part of our 10-year plan here. Take a look at the little colonies of the kingdom that Jesus established going from town to town and community to community. Instead of using what we might call a traditional top-down approach to facilitate change, he had a seemingly counterintuitive strategy. He went straight to the broken, the street rats, the blind beggars, folks that we would cast out. Wherever he went, Jesus found the most broken people you could probably imagine. 
Even today, I believe he values and sees the broken as creations made in God's image, full of all power. He knows when restored, the broken will reshape history and dramatically change the world around about them. So why is restoring all things important enough to be in our vision and our 10-year plan? Why should we care about Paris and Lamar County? The world around us with today's corrupt and immoral society seems headed straight to hell in a handbasket, as we might say. So shouldn't we be more concerned about protecting ourselves rather than getting our hands dirty with all those dangerous sinners out there? Well, to start towards an answer, I want to start by saying to me, it's obvious that Jesus exhibited and passed down a very strong passion and concern for the local community, especially, again, for its broken. We have inherited that mission to restore our broken neighbors in the same manner that we ourselves have been restored. We know what it's like to be broken because we've all been there, and we all continue to struggle with that brokenness every day that we draw breath. We will walk alongside the lost and broken, bonded by our common need for the continued restoration that Jesus offers. The vision statement actually says that verbatim so well. And this restorative vision is important to us because just it's important to Jesus. Now, the older I get, it seems, the more I realize just how depraved and broken my life really is without Jesus, which further gives me motivation. Shouldn't we want to help others find that restoration we've been given? Well, I think we in this group have a healthy history of being that city on a hill in this regard here at Lamar Avenue, and I praise God for this fact. In fact, you probably don't know this, but one of the main reasons my family even attends here is because of that strong reputation that this group has for helping the broken in this community. Many things tried to keep us away, but I think this pretty much sealed the deal in our regards to attending here and calling you our church family. I'm so encouraged to hear many of you wanting to do more, though. There's a growing stir of people here who aren't happy with just applauding our history, but who want to restore more now than ever before and proactively. With the Spirit's guidance, I'm confident we will push ourselves further and deeper into the lives of the broken of this community and see more of his restorative power. I want us to encourage, or I want to encourage, to remember the infectious joy and peace that comes with true restoration, though. Today's society, and unfortunately the church many times, is full of overplayed warnings of impending doom, paranoia, and self-righteous platitudes haphazardly thrown to anyone who will listen. The broken need their burdens lifted, not added more to the heap. There's plenty of junk all over the airwaves, the internet, news, newspapers, and around the water cooler at work. Our message should stand out in that sea of negativity. Again, we have been restored, and we can help anyone through Jesus, no matter how hopeless all might seem. We have hope, and we have joy beyond compare. I'm going to use one tiny little pet peeve example of mine that brings this a little bit to home. I'm amazed at how negative some of us Parisians can be about our community. I find myself even falling in the trap sometimes. I bet you probably know the conversation. It starts with this griping about not having a Target or not having Chick-fil-A or something else that we would need here in Paris. Um, And then it kind of escalates. We start bouncing off of each other, and we start talking about how bad services 
service are at, at restaurants or talking about a group of people that we can't stand here locally. And we just start getting more and more judgmental. And sometimes, though it might seem harmless, we often portray arrogance and pride, lumping everything we don't like into our town into statements like, well, that's just how it is in this backwards town, or even worse. My point is, I think Christians ought to be some of the biggest fans of their communities, flaws and all. We know what it's like to be loved despite our flaws, don't we? Let's be a graceful group that sees beauty and power and wonder in our community, and most especially in its people, even with the brokenness and dirtiness that sometimes might repel us. To finish up, I want to read a statement out of the vision book. It's a great closing line. I don't think I can say it any better than this. We will seek out the lost and broken because we know about that brokenness and we know the path to healing. Yes, we do know the path to healing. We understand brokenness in all its ugly forms. I truly believe that Jesus is already changing the community around us. I'm planning ways to join him myself, but I need you and your ideas. I need your talents. I need your resources to get out there and show Paris what true restoration is all about. How, how do we show love and hope and bring restoration to the brokenness in the world around us? How do we as individuals and as a church live on a mission to bring restoration to all things? As disciples of Christ, our ambition is to be like him. Wherever humanity was broken, Jesus restored it. That's how he showed his love and gave hope to the world, and that's what we at Lamar Avenue will do. In all our interactions, individually and as a congregation, we will strive to restore the broken, the weary, the hurting, and the outcast. We will bring peace and wholeness where there is dissension and conflict. Some of you have been to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> Maybe your job has sent you there or the military deployed you there. Some of you chose to go on a trip or possibly spent time on a short-term mission effort. These experiences no doubt changed the way that you understood the world. Still, some of you have never had the opportunity, or some may just see no need to leave Lamar County. And whether you have seen the ends of the earth or not, we recognize that there are people like Paul who have been called to carry out the love and hope of Christ to places and cultures very different from our own. We at Lamar Avenue recognize that those who have been called to other parts of the world have a unique opportunity to open our eyes and expose us to parts of the kingdom that we may otherwise never know about. We value their experiences, and we want that to impact our church. We've had a history of financial supports for works focused on forming and teaching followers of Jesus, both regionally and internationally. We want to continue that support, but we want to be more than just a church who gives money to missions. We want to strive for a deeper, sustained impact in our areas of interest by increasing our involvement with Christians there. We want to be a church that develops a genuine concern among ourselves for the people of the places that we partner with, not just a concern for the missionaries. We want to know them, strengthen them, and partner with them in reaching out, making disciples, 
in demonstrating the love and hope of Christ in their communities. We also have to think about missions as more than something that somebody else does. We have to understand our own lives and our own world and think about them like missionaries do. By developing healthy missions in our area and beyond, with healthy involvement, we can all grow to be more effective in our own part of the world. That might be right here in our own Jerusalem. It might be in Judea, Samaria, or the ends of the earth. Wherever your interest lies, whatever your calling may be, go as an ambassador of Christ, restoring all things with Christ's love and hope. And if your interest lies in bringing that restoration to the ends of the earth, join us as we work to do so. Now, I know that you see me last, and you're probably scared to death because you think, oh, no, we're going to hear a 25-minute sermon after these seven men. I'll tell you what, haven't these seven men done a beautiful job this morning sharing their heart? And as we bring this morning to a close, there are just a few things that I want to share with us as a way of challenge as a way of commitment. And first of all, I want to remind us, many years ago, there was a wise man who once said these words. Proverbs 29, verse 18. I want us to read these together. Where there is no vision, my people perish. Read that one more time. Where there is no vision, my people perish. Lest we forget... I want to remind us this morning, this is God's vision. And because it's God's vision, it's ours. And what he wants us to do with his vision is to own it. It's to make his story become our story as we find ourselves living within that every day of our life. And so as you read through these 15 pages, and I encourage you to go back and do that, one of the things that you'll notice is this. It is full of Scripture. And it reminds us of who God wants us to be. And so these three major themes, or what we're calling core values, are simply three ways that God would have his church practice and dive into and be about these things. And so as you think about the idea of connecting with God, it's that individual growth that God has called you to and myself. And that idea of striving to maintain and to keep the unity of all believers. We know we're different. When you can look around this room right now, we know that there are differences. But the thing that ties us together, the thing that holds us together and bonds us together is the love that God has for each and every one of us. And because of that great love, that should motivate you and I to strive, 
to do great things in the name of Jesus because that's what God would have his people be about. And so as we live that out, as Stephen has just talked about, just as we have gone through a restoration, just as we go through that restoration every day, we too want to help people outside of these walls see the beauty and how God can restore all things and make them whole again. So with that in mind, I want to ask us this question this morning. As you look at this picture, you see a cruise ship and you see a battleship. And my question is, which one best describes the church. Now, when you stop and think about it, on a cruise ship, people are there to have a really good experience, and everything is done to ensure that everyone is having a really good time. On a battleship, we realize that no one's really concerned with how comfortable each other may be because we exist on a battleship to win a mission and to defeat an enemy which ultimately in the end brings about a victory for the people of God amen and so this morning I want us to wrap our minds around the fact that we're on a battleship we're in a battle And as we're living that battle out, keep in mind these words from Jesus. He says in Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's powerful. I will build my church, he says, and nothing will happen to his church because he's in charge he's in control but the part and the role that we play turn real quick to Ephesians chapter 2 and notice these words in verse 10 for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You and I are the workmanship of God. And so from that standpoint, we're like his masterpiece. And every day of our life, we have a story to tell. We have a vision and a mission to live out because it comes from Almighty God. And as we take part in that, and as we partner with that, Richard has already told you, I told him a minute ago, I said, you stole a line that I'm going to say, and here it is again. You don't have to get permission from the elders to get involved. As the workmanship of God, my challenge to each and every one of us this morning is, take the initiative pray within your being of where you see yourself falling in line 
with God's vision. And as these seven men have shared with us this morning, they want to hear from you. They want to hear your ideas. And they want to hear your desires for this church and for this community. These seven men can't do all of it by themselves, can they? But as they lead, as they facilitate, and with us as a church, working with them, great and exciting things will take place in the name of Jesus Christ. And for that, we give God the glory. And so as a church, we want to partner with God on his mission to accomplish his will here on earth. And now that we're already a year into this, I will say for the next nine years, the greatest portion of our time and resources and prayer and attention will be focused on these three themes. Connecting with God, being unified with believers, and restoring all things back to its creator. That's an exciting journey to be on. And it's exciting because on the battleship, we know the battle belongs to who, church? The battle belongs to the Lord. And all we are doing while we're on that battleship, we're striving to defeat the enemy. We're striving to be about good things that God has in store for each and every one of us. So take the initiative and pray. And the exciting thing is Paul says, whatever you're asking for, whatever you're praying for, and whatever you're dreaming about, God can do more. And so keep that in mind. We praise God for a wonderful day, a day that we pray will bring glory to him and his son as we strive to partner and be about his great works. Let's stand as we sing an invitation song this morning. <laughs>